How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. Peter Bromka is a marathoner with Bowerman Track Club Elite, a father and husband, as well as a writer and consultant living in Portland, Oregon. Peter has roots in the Boston area, attending Tufts University for undergrad, and is on a passionate journey to achieve the Olympic Trials Marathon Standard, a 219 marathon. In this podcast, we talked about setting and striving for big, scary goals and what it takes to see progress like he's seen over the last few years. We talk a lot about numbers and pace in this episode. While Peter's pace is faster than most, the goal is to help explain that no matter if there's a 2, 3, 5, 8, or whatever number in front of your marathon time, you can always strive for more. Peter offered some tips on what we can all do to keep progressing. Enjoy. Hi, I am here in Boston, Massachusetts with Peter Bromka, who's here to do something about a marathon. So, uh, Peter, thanks for thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I flew in yesterday and so exciting to come into the city on this weekend. So you are from Boston. So what's it like? I am not from Boston. I used to live here. Right. And I'm passionate about the area. I am from Portland, Oregon where I live now. Um, but both my parents met at Boston College, and I always thought it'd be wonderful to come back here for college. So I, I ended up going to Tufts University, running there, lived in Cambridge for years afterwards, uh, ran Boston twice in 0506, um, and then eventually moved to the West Coast. But I love coming back, and uh, my wife is from Rhode Island, so I, I come back many times a year. Nice. So we were in the elevator, and uh, and a guy looked at us and said, hey, are you, you running you running the marathon on Monday? And you said, yep. And he said, you know, are you, uh, have you run it before? And he said, yep, I've done it six times. And, and as as you've seen and as, you know, everyone will see, Boston freaking loves the marathon. Yeah, it's interesting because I've run, uh, this will be, I guess, my 12th marathon, and um, there's just a pride that people here have, like they own the race and then even if they're not a runner, <laughs> Oh no, like they don't have to be a runner at all. Um, and you see it out on the course, like they are particularly in the smaller towns early in the miles, like they're yelling to you to cheer you on, but like with an expectation in their eyes, like you better perform because this is our day and like, this is our holiday and you're here and you're our guest and show up. As David Ortiz so elegantly said, this is our fucking city. Let's go. <laughs> I love him. So you've had um you've had an interesting last couple of years. You've put out some some really big scary goals. Uh let's let's talk about that. Oh, um keep on dreaming even if it breaks your heart, right? <laughs> That's the yeah, I mean it's pretty been pretty wonderful. Um it sounds like cliche when I tell people that I had run Boston twice and then was like, "Okay, cool." Marathoning, check, done it. Um, I grew up a runner, ran in college, 5K, you know, mile. 
and then you run there's sort of like you're looking for that next big thing to do and um running boston was it and then you're like what's nothing can get bigger than that so i'm probably done so then i spent like six or seven eight years just you know running maybe 20 miles a week jumping into adventures with friends but not doing too much um and then it sounds a little bit too succinct to be true but really the boston bombing happened and i still like remember it so vividly like everyone does um and looked at the screen and was like we started messaging friends making sure sure they're okay and then we're pretty quickly like we got to run boston 14 like it's going to be a momentous day um we got to do it so in short order like found a marathon two months later um went and qualified and sort of got injured in the process because like that's not a great way to do marathon yeah two month build too much too soon um but then recovered from it and ran boston 14 and that year i ran 241 um and this is what i always try to impart on people um most recently in december i ran 21940 um but i was like so stoked with my 241 like i remember sitting around with a beer with my buddies afterwards and like great run bro like and i was like thanks man that it was it was a good day and they had beaten me by like five ten minutes um but like the meaning of those goals and just finding a goal that's it only needs to be meaningful to you um and so i had aimed to have a good day uh, in boston 14 it was such a momentous day in running history and then to finish and look over and be like hey why is meb wearing a gold crown and they're like because you won and you know it was so overwhelming um but then you know I kind of, I think of it like getting slipped into a slipstream of excitement around running and particularly marathoning. So then I was able to get a bib to, um, Chicago 14, you know, uh, that fall. And I was like, I had a friend and he was like, I've always thought I could run six minute pace for the marathon. I'm like, Oh, what's that? He's like two thirty seven to break uh, like 15 to break two thirty seven essentially. And I was like, that sounds like a good goal. <laughs> um, I'm going to do that. Um, so from a hilly course, 241, to a flat course. Pancake flat. Like yeah. Pancake flat. And just like this mass, I've written an essay about it, like this mass of humanity from around the world that are all running six-minute pace and to just to slip into that and be like, there's. it's hard to describe. Um, I've tried in my writing just the meaning of that. Um, you don't introduce yourself. You just like slip in. And I was like, hey, guys, what are you, what are you running? And they're like, sixes. And you're like, cool. Um, and just to be like rolling through a crisp fall day in Chicago and like find your team, um, was so cool. Is there any chatting that goes on? There's those like, what are you running? Sixes. Yeah. We good. It's just silent though. It's um, just like, you're just, just like rolling. Yeah. I think, um, and it, I mean, it wide streets and all these, just these little, and then you'll go by a mile mark and you'll hear like beep, 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 um, as people's garments are going off right. and then they're there's that collective like nervousness of are we particularly when you're trying to walk a very serious like a very crisp line right. six minutes um i've since tried to break other barriers that involve like some ebb and flow um of like well if you're trying to, so then yeah i ran uh 236 and i i told people like i've had about six marathons where in the middle particularly towards the end i've been like finish this this might be the fastest you ever run um and is is it usually Paul Leak that's out there yelling at you? <laughs> yeah, a good friend Paul Leak um was <laughs> at the end of a CIM this December in uh I posted a video th- of him screaming at me that's just like so inspiring and so haunting and so equally inspiring and haunting that it's I, just like 
It haunts me. <laughs> <laughs> like I hear that. He just, uh, yeah, I just recall it. It was about four minutes left. So it's inside a mile to go. Like you should be theoretically in celebration mode, but I, I knew I was right on the edge of an OTQ ish. And he was, he just feels like fight for it, Bromka, fight for it. And you're like, I know, I know I should <laughs> want to fight for it, but like, I so want to give in right now. Um, and so, yeah, it's been this like cascading things of like, I, so I ran two 36, um, in Chicago in 14. Um, my son was born in the spring of 15. So I took, um, Boston 15 off and didn't run. And then fall of 15, I was like, we should, again, a buddy goes, we should go to New York. So, you know, you sign up in January. I was lucky enough to have a qualifying time. So I was able to skip the lottery, which is pretty stressful for a lot of people. But then, so from New York, from Chicago flat to New York Hilly, like serious marathon. Um, I was like, I bet I could break 235. Um, you know, two minutes, but also hills. Um, and was lucky enough to like dial that in, run a race uh, and run two thirty four. Um, and it was about that time that people were like, "All right, man, like, when are you gonna stop beating around the bush?" And I was like, "About what?" <laughs> and they're like, two thirty. Like, and again, these barriers are made up, but they're also like gain meaning in different cultures of running. Um, and for that like amateur marathoner who's hovering around it, it's like two thirty or go for it. Um, so then the next marathon I had on the book was Boston 16. Um, and that was another hot one, right? Yeah. And it was in hindsight, like not a great idea to like, just, I would tell people don't barrel out at a goal pace at Boston in the heat and just go for it. Like you need to, Boston's all about like ebb and flow, tactical, tactical, like all like feel it, feel it in yourself. Um, and to be honest, um, so I had had some stuff going on at home where like my job situation changed and I reached this moment where I got to Boston and I knew that the only thing I, the thing I felt I could control was my marathoning. And the moment I returned home, I had to like, figure out um then like the next step of my career and so in a totally uh meaningful way when things really got hard at boston 16 because it was hot and it was one of the years so boston's so fickle that was a year where it started okay and got hotter whereas 17 it started hot and got cooler um you know so that everyone's body is going to respond differently to that i went out with this group and as they started to like suffer, I started to go ahead a little bit and then be like, what am I doing? Why am I ahead? But it was all in a matter of moments, like couldn't question it. And then really like in a meaningful way, got to a point where I was like, you can control this. Yeah. And the, I was more scared of like the uncertainty of when Afterwards. I read. Yeah. It was like, you get home and you got to, it's going to be, it'll be great, but like yeah. you got to figure out that next thing. Whereas right. like the part of the beauty of marathoning is like, you can, if you really zoom in, you can, you can control like the next block and right. then the block after that. Um, and I ran, I ran 229, I broke 230. I wrote a whole essay called 9,000 seconds, just like recapping it all. And I mean, honestly, I feel like a weird imposter writer because I write these essays and I love writing them, but I also read a lot about, there's a lot of content in the world today about like the routines of writers and the struggle of writing and you know how good writers really work at it i like like went to a a restaurant got a pint of beer and like wrote that whole essay (laughs) because it was just so vivid in my mind yeah people were like yeah but it's coming from it's coming from passion it's coming from like 
you're you're not doing research on something. It's just like an outpouring of emotion. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I have so much respect for you know writers. The closer you get to something, I think it's like getting close to a mountain. You're like, damn, that's really right, cool. it's really like, big. Yeah, um, writers who are able to bring passion and poetry to something that like they don't know care or know anything about right. um, is what I realize. So yeah, I've written these essays that are um, like overly uh wordy poetic race recaps um but i really think about what do i want to remember like i know i'll be older and be like what was that moment like i want to capture it and then also i really try to think about my readers experience and their attention span so i've read this is not to knock anyone else's but like writing but some people write like the full weekend race uh race weekend recap and they detail everything. And I'm like, that's great. That's like a journal entry. Um, whereas I'm like, man, I just experienced something. And the essence of what I experienced is like those moments and those quotes and those like d- doubts and fears yeah. and excitements, um, which rises up. So I try to pull out, I'll like write a bunch of stuff and be like, yep, that was, that's interesting to me, but no one needs to. My favorite was the burn the boat one. Uh, Let's talk about that. Yeah. So again, 229. Boston 16, it's hot. Come back. Um, I actually got injured, uh, Boston, uh, fall of um, 16. But my teammate ran 225, Patrick Reeves, and he, he's part of the Bowerman Track Club with me. And he's been a very good friend and integral to my progression. So I've, I've slipped in with this group of friends. And what's been cool is we have this group of friends who, like, almost you know, marathoning is a hobby, um, but it's so hard that it takes a lot of effort. But with a group of friends, you're able to like make it a social event. So he started to say like, um, Hey, you know, let's start to ramp up our runs. Let's like ramp up our training. Um, but so he ran 225, and that when someone you train close to runs something, you, you get this transitive boost of like, I bet I could do that. Or like sort of close to it. So, um, then Boston 17, around 228, and you start to go, okay, like on a not hot day on a flat course, we could probably like run faster. So we go to CIM and we just like throw caution to the wind. Um, Polly, uh, I don't know if you know this, we came through the half um, at CIM, Cal International Marathon um, in 17, and he literally stood there with his arms out going, what are you doing, Bromka? Because <laughs> we were we were coming through the half about a minute to two minutes faster than he thought he'd see us. Yeah, and he was just he was just dumbfounded, and we were just right. burst out laughing because we were just. Um, it was a beautiful day. Cal International is like the fastest marathon in the world, and you just go like, let's just hit it. Um, and so then we ran two twenty three, and when you run two twenty three in today's day and age, the questions again start coming like, so you're going to go for the Olympic trials qualifier? Um, and when it they first started coming. I was like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. Like, that's like light years ahead. And it just seems like, it seems stupid. Um, that was like December. It was like within the week after 223. Um, but by like January, February, um, you start to get your mind around it a little bit. And then I realized that my teammates were like, we're doing this. We're come like, we might blow up next December, but we're going to go out at 219 pace. Uh, so the Olympic trials qualifier B standard for men is 219. If you get under it, you get to go to the Olympic trials. If you don't, um, you don't get to go. And I almost like, again, 
two thirty came about because I looked at other people and they were like, "Dude, this is this this is the goal. Go for it. Um, you're at the cusp." Um, and then it sort of came again when they're like, two nineteen is the goal," and you're like, "Really? Oh god, that sounds hard." Um, <laughs> and what's that pace? So I had run two twenty three, which is five twenty nine pace per mile, and two nineteen is two is five eighteen pace per mile. <laughs> so it's eleven seconds faster after cutting off eleven seconds the last time. Um, and it's almost like I've never run a 5k that fast. Uh, <laughs> I describe it as I have all these different analogies as I've tried to get my mind around it. My latest analogy is like, it's like treading water in the middle of a pool, holding a weight above your head. And if you're, <laughs> while you're on fire, <laughs> yeah. while your hair is on fire, yeah. <laughs> while like everything and the pool is burning down, um, <laughs> you're just surrounded by a ring of fire, burning oil, <laughs> but like very meaningfully, if you practice at the pace and then you get out and you realize like, oh, my mouth is above the water because there's a difference between if you can still breathe, it's like your mind is freaking out yeah, because it's too fast. But if you can still breathe and set, if you can breathe enough to settle your heart rate, you're like, oh shit, I can do this at least long enough to put myself in the, in the mix. Um, so, I mean, this is, this is true for, you know, if you're running a three hour marathon, if you're running three and a half, whatever the goal is, like I'm going out to run Providence in a couple of weeks and my PR currently is 3:20, and, and I haven't had a good marathon yet. And I'm more so excited about like celebrating fitness. I haven't run a marathon in two years and blah, blah, blah. But like, I'm still going to try and run sub three. Yeah. But like the concept of cutting 20 minutes off or like running 652 pace for 26.2 miles, like it boggles my mind that like this is something that, that like that I can do. So you, you talked about the imposter piece. How do you how do you rectify the like I have these skills and go for it? Yeah. Like yeah. you you your two nineteen is fucking fast. It's, and I'm sure it's like hard for you to conceptualize too. I mean, so like, how do you do it? Yeah, I mean, you you both practice it um, in you find workouts that, where you can emulate it, and then you also just like I try to separate it from day to day running. Yeah. Like racing a marathon is just separate, and you have to like maintain create a mental space in which you're going to perform, and then you also like the stride feels very. Uh, very different. I always say like, if you started jogging and you warmed up and you had to speed up continuously to five eighteen pace, you would be like, this is so fast. It's <laughs> so hard. But what you do is you do a little jog and then they fire the gun and you just, I mean, or in practice, you click the watch and you start, um, like it almost feels like skipping along at a pace yeah. and you're like, this feels totally different than my running. Um, and then meaningfully we also do like, the broad strokes of a good training plan. So we right. uh, do stuff like sub five minute pace. You do like tempos um, below marathon pace where you're like, Oh gosh, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> so that then the marathon, and mentally yeah. you're like, but it, I like to say like, I've, I've gotten stronger in a way that um, is like a journey I've been on that I didn't even know was possible from when I was a college kid. My mom said recently, like, if you trained like this in college, would you have been faster? And I'm like, well, multiple elements of that are impossible. Like the college season is different. The college camaraderie is different. And now, and I know my body and like the warning signs of injury so much right. better. So that and you probably sleep more. 
I sleep. Yeah, I sleep more. I like take care of better care. You you know when to dial things up and down. Um, I race less, and but also like in college, it's a it's a team mentality. You do the workouts together, and there's some tweaking, but like you don't go like, hey man, I'm just gonna maybe because they're smarter now, um, hopefully. But like I just in the way that my teammates and I train together probably like twice a week, and then the other five days we either rest or run high mileage or low mileage or fast mileage, and you know, like we do our own thing um, because that's very personal like to what you need so um yeah you practice the different paces and then you go so i've gotten stronger year over year and then also you mentally go like this is nuts but like maybe (laughs) we can do it yeah um and i realistically you get more calloused to the to the endeavor of a 26 mile run where like i used to like go out i mean when i qualified for boston i was like okay go out really boring for 16 18 miles and then turn it on turn it on and now i'm like okay like um i call it like i've almost bank shotted my prs because if you read the articles like you're supposed to negative split and you're supposed to do all this thing like i've positive split my way to like six prs in a row and i'm like i don't know to tell you guys yeah it's not saying it's better i'm not saying i'm not saying it would set me up for anything but um it's it's what's happened and um part, part of that's been like I've run two PRs at Boston. So you're like, okay, Boston's yeah. a hard course. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's again, like slipping in with another pack and being like, let me just try to hang with these people. Yeah. So you're, you're a busy guy. Um, you're active with work. You have a wife and a, and a son and you're running some, some pretty high mileage. How do you, how do you balance it all? Um, when I had, when my son was born, and how old is he? He's four. He just turned four. Um, and he is a wonderful little guy and he loves to run around and it's so it's so much fun. But um it sort of rewired my brain in terms of sleep. Like you don't get a lot of sleep for a couple months and then you're I'd never really been up at two AM and four AM and you know, uh all these things. Like it just made me think differently about sleep. So if I want to get mileage in, I get up at five and start running at five thirty. Um because it was also important to me to not like miss his life to run because I already do. Um, so I have started building mileage. I always tell people like I have friends who just naturally are able to run a hundred miles a week. And five years ago when I was getting into this, um, it was almost relieving to me. I was like, I can't do that. Yeah. I just, I like, can't like a um, lot of time investment. It's time, but also like I just physically, I would hit those warning signs yeah. of like my hips were off. I was in pain right. and it was like really early. So I was doing like 60% of some of my friends mileage and then 70%. And I've just like slowly built that dial like so slowly um, that now, and I also was all about single runs. I was like doubling is junk mileage. It was also like a little bit of a mental safety. Like it just, um, I wasn't sure if I could do it. And so now my perfect day is like get up at five, run for an hour from five thirty to six thirty, like take my son to school and then work and then go for a lunch run and then work some more, pick him like pick him up or meet him at home, like have the evening and be like, Wow, I got in like seventeen or eighteen miles and also got in work and didn't um totally ignore the family. Mm-hmm. Um so the one thing that really is tough for me is the long run. Um it's like I I try to do, we try to do our long runs on Saturday morning, sort of like you're tired by Friday night anyway. It's like better to just go to bed early and not pretend you're going right. to have a social life than hit it and then have a weekend where you can fully like focus on the family. But like 
my, our long runs take forever. Um, I mean, my buddy who's a golfer, he's like, that's a round of golf. Uh, <laughs> Cause like you gotta, if you're going to take a serious long run, like you go to the right location, you warm up a little bit, um, get in miles, get in a long workout, get cool down miles. Then you're toast. You like have to get some food and then you get home. And it's like been four hours away from the family, which is, it's honestly the thing that stands out as the, the first thing that I'll dive back on when I kind of step off this, because it takes so much meaningful time away. Um, but yeah, I think between morning runs and some lunch runs, um, it's so personal to what your body can handle. Um, that, and then also I've gotten really obsessed with my strength training routine that is with a kettlebell and a hex bar deadlift in my basement that takes about 18 minutes. Um, so I just don't have time for anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, and it came about because I knew a trainer and I said like, all right, cut the shit. Like, <laughs> what I'm, do I need? Yeah. What do I need? I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to run about an hour and I'm not going to go to the gym for another hour after that. It's just not going to happen. So that it just, what will happen is it won't happen. Right. So what would you have me do? And we built, um, you know, what's, what's become like fairly well known in terms of a series of squats and lunges and like, um, such, but they, the, that routine has absolutely kept me healthy and allowed me to scale my mileage incrementally year over year. Um, but yeah, like aside from the time away from the family for the long run, like I just start to feel, I love running this high mileage. Like it feels really good. Um, and you know, like the whole grind of it's the winter and it's dark and getting up early, but, um, it's like, it, it's very clear. Like, I think if I was not, I've tried to think about if I stop trying to up the training and up the, um, improving, what would I do? And I'm, I'd still run a lot of those same runs. I might not do like the length. I don't think I need to feel to run 12 in the morning to feel awesome. Like right. it could be an eight and it'd be totally fine. Um, I do, I've often thought about like, I don't love, love the long mileage, but you do that all so that then on the long run with your friends, you can keep up. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the thing of like, I start to find inspiration from just like friends doing skateboard tricks. And you're just like, you work on, you know, I'm not a skateboarder. I'm a horrible. I tried it once and it almost broke my arm, but, um, you see, you know, men and women on the, like practicing skateboarding and they're just trying to hit a trick. They're not like, well, I'm really gonna like read a article in a magazine right. about like all these like ha body hacks to like, they're just like, man, my buddy hit the trick and I want to hit the trick. Yeah. And so that's, I find that to be more analogous to like the essence of what we're trying to do, which is like, damn, I just had a good run, but my buddy was way off Repetit, the distance. Yeah. So like, what do I need to do over the next three months to get there? Cool. What would you tell Peter of 2005? Oh, Peter of 2005, just like thought, I thought I was like fast having done all this track workouts in college, but what I couldn't appreciate was how much time I'd spent injured. Like I was probably burnt out or injured in nearly every season. Um, and that was some combination of my, the racing schedule. And then just like, I was, I was hitting every note all the time, like mm -hmm. racing a lot, um, still having a social life, um, still running long when I was tired, like I was just fried. So to say like, this is going to get, you can get somewhere, but it's going to take a long time. And I mean, we have young guys who are almost Peter from 2005 joined the BTC and they're like, I did a 20 miler before Boston. Why did Patrick beat me by so much? I'm like, Patrick's done 120 milers. <laughs> You've done one. Like yeah. it's not a one unlock. So my new analogy is sort of like, uh, one of those long escalators in the Metro, like in DC or something where 
you just get on and you know some people are like i got i got places to be and they're like hoofing it up <laughs> and i'm like what if you just chill and you ride the escalator for five years <laughs> you get really high yeah it. um so yeah like you, and that's where the elusiveness of the pressure what's the right amount of pressure and what's right too little. it's like a, a razor's edge yeah but like my buddies and i love this lifestyle like I know very good runners who run Chicago, right? Uh, I know one guy who ran Chicago. He had a good race. And then I, I ran it. So that's early October. I ran into him in December. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm getting back into running again. I'm like, oh, wow. That guy just took two and a half months <laughs> like off. Um, that means that you're not building incremental strength for that quarter of a year, um, which sounds like... You know, um, I mean, I think I think a lot of people fall into the I don't want to call it a trap, but like fall into that cycle of like, oh, running sucks. But it's like if you want running to not suck, you have to run and you don't have to run high mileage all the time and you shouldn't run high mileage all the time. But I think if you run year round, you'll feel good, like better than normal. Yeah, I mean, I really I have this I wrote about a couple years ago. this idea of like to be a marathoner, you need to run as much mileage as you can. Right. And so, but then like, let's break that down as much mileage, because I, I think like the born to run thing of, you know, our bodies are built from movement. Absolutely true. The problem is like, we're proving right here. Like we both, well, you biked over here, but I right. took a train. I, I walked a blo- couple blocks. I'm sitting in a chair. Like you have to get brutally honest just you in the mirror about what your body can handle and so i always encourage people to like think do a workout and then run the next day for your easy run and figure out what the what what amount of mileage at what pace you actually recover not like what pace you wish you recovered or what length you wish you recovered and in 2013 that was like four miles for me that's now like 12 miles yeah. i can run 12 miles and my body will recover because it's taken five years and so, and, and at what pace are you running that? And it, it, it meaningfully, like when I'm really training, like the Paris variation, I, tr- I mean, I, I aspire to the Kipchoge, like, like, nine, know, like just like, so, I mean, uh, I, I love running eight minute pace. I get a little bit, I catch myself being impatient and I'm running like seven fifteen, seven thirties. Yeah. And it's like, I, I could talk to you for an hour about like it's not about proving yourself on you know non-key performance days and right. still like push the pace a little bit like oh i gotta be fit um <laughs> so so just just to reiterate peter is, has run a 219 marathon and he's running 715 to eight minute pace for his easy days take take note of that and i mean i get laughed at by the guys who i know some people who have gone over to kenya and like been with kip trigger they're like dude he's run to to a one and he runs nine minute pace yeah. often in the afternoons. Um, so that idea of like, if you really simplify to, you just need to train your body to be more efficient and stronger at running. And, and the body can handle a tremendous amount of running if it's properly trained. Right. Now, most of us, I mean, tens of thousands of us on, you know, marathon Monday are on some element of a comeback journey to running because we have sedentary lives we have desk jobs like there's a lot of things pulling us away from being like right. the natural born runners right. running all the time yeah. totally um running to catch your food absolutely so like your body can that's why i think it's hard for me to impart sometimes to beginners because i'm like you got to really know what your body can handle and the warning signs of when you're overdoing it 
and there's good literature on these things but like you gotta it's not about um just saying like oh i heard 70 miles a week gets you there so i'll just start running 70 miles a week right yeah it's it's fascinating um even the same volume at different intensities like so I haven't trained for marathons since 2017. And when I was doing that, I was running like 40 to 55 miles a week and like 55, 60 was my peak. And now I'm running like easy weeks of 55. And it's like, if you just, it's not one workout, it's not two workouts. It's not one month of workouts. It's just like layering on top of each other. So my, top yeah, my other. new thing challenge to people, because the closer I've got to 219, the more I really can appreciate actually what it means to try to BQ. Right. Like these people who are like, I didn't pick that standard. I don't get to come up with like a meaningful right. yeah. goal that like is representative to me. I have to hit a standard. Right. And I'm like, oh damn it. Now I really understand what they're saying. Um but versus when, like two thirty or two yeah, yeah. two thirty is like, oh it'd be nice. I yeah. mean like a certain number like a of, hard number, two nineteen. Yeah. Um and all these numbers are made up. When I had run two forty one, I had a buddy who had run two twenty nine. I'm like, dude, you know everyone the most of the world thinks we're the same pace. Right. Like, <laughs> but that's the thing. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. It's all, it's all like the, the, um, I mean, the biggest consistency of people I've talked to on this podcast is they don't care about the time. They don't care about, you know, any of that. It's, are you enjoying it? Are you having fun? Are you working towards a goal? Are you achieving that goal? And then picking another goal. Yeah. And, and Ben Rosario, um, really hammered this point home. He was like, we don't talk about it times we don't talk we talk about effort we talk about putting in the best effort on that day and you can't you can't um you can't control who shows up at the race mm -hmm. and you can't you you can yeah. control your effort on that day and how you get to that starting line so the how you get there two things to that though because i'm curious your thoughts on this is um when people say like i'd really like to be q i'm like cool but we're all living busy lives and we have like truthfully we have like these compartmentalized aspirations of like i'd like to be a bqer but like kind of in the next year because then i'm thinking of getting into like mountain biking and <laughs> then I'm i want like, to do an iron man yeah and i'm like dude so i was like when people reach out to me i'm like what would it look like if you bq'd next year not like not this coming year but the year after that right do you love it because you're willing to post about like the grind and the sacrifice and, yeah i mean because it wake is me sacrifice. up in three years yeah, yeah. i mean are, do you love it enough to just slip in and be like to live this lifestyle for two years because you can get a long ways in two years. Right. Um, and so then piggybacking on that is this idea of understanding your why. Yep. Which I find fascinating. Which because, is the point of the podcast. Yes. I, un <laughs> and I wanted to hear about this because in some ways I wanted to be here and tell people that if they're not sure what their why is, I personally feel like, my why is maybe like a wall that I'm so close to that I, if you ask me to write it down as a writer, I might have trouble. But does that wall keep getting further and further away and you never actually achieve it? And, and that's what gets you, that's what gets you up at five in the morning. Yeah. Cause I mean, for me, that's what it is. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I just think there's a, it's, it's a lifestyle thing of if I think if I, wanted to do something that I wasn't fully ingrained in. If you said like, I, I want to be a, you know, ex handicap golfer and I don't golf, you'd have to be like, well, why? Right. Yeah. <laughs> why? And, and then like have very meaningful logic that links back to the time commitments you're going to make and the new behavior, how you're going to get, there. how you're going to yeah. get there. Whereas I'm like, 
I love getting up and meeting friends right. in the darkness for a run. And I love meeting my friends and like uncovering what's possible like on these weekend runs. Um, and to me, like my favorite, I had this moment where I last fall where I'd gutted myself on a morning run and then I was carving pumpkins with my son on the porch and then we like walked and got a, a new book for him at the bookstore. And I was like, that was a perfect day. Yeah. Done. Like put a pin in it. If I could do that day, every like, day, every yeah. day, if I could do it even once a year, it was just like a beautiful fall day and I had family time and I had like just smashed a long run in the morning. And so you feel a certain way very physically and you're just like, yeah, I mean, that's, and it, and then it gets very, um, sort of, philosophical for me of like i'm 37 years old and you're at that age where you're like what do i want with my career what do i aspire to financially um you know like what are my plans for life and it's i mean i'm biased but like i'm it's fun to be into stuff that's relatively cheap that you can relatively control that like you know you see someone driving like a new tesla and i'm like i ran 219 <laughs> Like that blows my mind. <laughs> I can understand how you might save enough money or take out a lease to buy a Tesla, but like, I can't even fathom how I did that. Um, it becomes like social. And so all these cliches, like come, I say that and they come flooding back into my mind. Like people say like health is wealth. And you're like, what are you health is wealth? It rhymes like, yeah. come on, like but you're like, I had no idea this was possible. Um, and I don't know how much longer it'll be possible. And, um, and you see people like on these journeys and yeah, you just like you grab onto a meaningful um, journey that someone else is on. And you're like, that's so I, I often write in like very emotional ways about running because I'm like, that's where my mind goes to. Like if I go to a really good rock show and like the, you know, the musical artist is up there and they're just like doing what they're best at. My mind drifts to like those moments. Like flow. Yeah. The flow moment of just like really pushing dialed in yeah, yeah dialed in like whether it's a workout on i mean yeah there'll be like sun rising over like these fields and we're just like hammering yeah. 515 pace and i'm like i'd rather be here i mean Anywhere, aside from yeah. my family right. like being, being with my family carving pumpkins like i'd rather be here and so i get to do this um my wife is like very she's more financially uh sound and uh than me and so she does like, all, all the strengths all, exactly she's important to have around and she, she run 219 uh, <laughs> she <laughs> one of the best moments of our relationship is one of our first dates uh we went over to her apartment and i hadn't really told her i was i wasn't as big into running 10 years ago when i met her and and so she hi i'm kind of a running nerd <laughs> i had not really delved into that um and she in this amazing moment she like told me about her new running shoes she bought and she was like you know i'm kind of kind of a runner <laughs> and like i it's just i'll always remember it so fondly because she's after in hindsight, she's like, you jerk. You didn't tell me about like, <laughs> how you grew up a runner. Your dad's a runner. All this stuff. And I'm like, no, but it was, uh, you know, I was in love with you and yeah. you were telling me about running. And it's it was, all about you. Yeah. So, yeah. These moments are really meaningful and like they're relatively, I brought it up because she totaled about all the amount of money I spent on running last year. And she's like, all right, fine. Like it wasn't that much. Like, <laughs> you know. Uh, at least you're not a triathlete uh, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> or like we'll come you out of, zero bikes we come out of free solo and i'm like are you glad i do a safe sport <laughs> and she's like oh yeah I, okay all right uh, that's a savvy move to take her to that uh, movie <laughs> <laughs> um but i mean that's the other thing is the like i went to an outdoor film festival recently and i'm like every one of these 
events is totally intense and totally awesome and way more dangerous than yeah you could die like any day yeah i'm like i'm like a total wuss compared to these people (laughs) you know um so i just like it makes me love the sport even more nice um the other thing that i found interesting was um let's talk about can we talk about the 21940 and what what was that like to to be so close oh so um there's yeah running 219 is running 518 pace um and as it's built there's like more and more momentum there's a piece i, I want to write about called like the digital runner which is about the amount of information we can glean from Strava plus Instagram. Right. Like you can see these people's lives. It used to just be there was a uh, a list of people who'd hit the standard and like some results from marathons. Right. And now there's like stories being told over Instagram and such, social media, um, and then the splits and the workouts. And so there's more and more momentum around people trying to hit this OTQ standard. Um, and Calendar National, they've started to hashtag themselves like OTQ factory because they... Um, <laughs> Which is really smart. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, But it's wild. Like, in theory, you'd say, like, um, our friend Jonathan's going to run 219 pace. And he will be pacing. And if anyone who wants to hit the qualifier should run with him. In reality, it's way more complex than that. They fire the gun. And there's a pack. I mean, for me, I was out ahead of pace meaningfully ahead of pace. And there was a pack. There were multiple sub packs ahead of me. And I'm sure there are sub packs behind me. and so you, we went into the race with this idea of like, we can probably do it. And my training partner, Patrick, who I've mentioned, um, I was dead sure he could do it. It was like whether he was going to do it on the exact day. Um, but you a little bit have to throw caution to the wind. And that's where all the pace charts and all the po- like negative splitting, like, um, it matters and it's real, but like you get into the heat of it and you're like, okay, here we go. And so halfway split would be two uh, sixty nine thirty. We come through at sixty eight forty five. Um, I subtly, like, slyly mentioned to Patrick, like, "Congrats, you just PR'd in the half marathon." <laughs> and he's like, "You asshole!" And I'm like, "Sorry, I couldn't help just myself." Just do it again. Yeah, just do it again. He he went like sixty nine forty five, and then like sixty nine fifty two or fifty six. Um so he basically did it again, which is mind blowing. Um so in reality I went out a little hot. I went out and ran his race um and one other guy's race. Um but it's that thing of like I was just saying to a friend today, like in theory right now I should be on a I have a marathon in four days. I could be on a carbohydrate um depletion. I could be on a caffeine depletion. I could have a pace chart that I'm memorizing. But like you just have to figure out like what's the least mental stress of the right combination of right. things. And I'm pretty wary of like changing up too much um race week. It's like people are like, what should you eat before the marathon? I'm like, probably ideally you eat what you ate before most of your key long runs. Right. You know? Um so two nineteen uh, pace, I was out ahead and then the guys dropped me and I was like, wait a second. I'm, I just ran a five eleven mile, seven seconds. I've banked seven seconds, quote unquote, and I just got dropped. So now I'm uh, now I'm like, okay, I can run, I can run pace by myself. Like I can do this. Like, like let's lock in. What's um, it like running that fast by yourself? It definitely was like all of these conflicting emotions. Um, you're just like trying to find your stride. Cause you're not like 
after the previous like 13 miles, I'd been kind of gauging visually off the person in front of me. Right. And now like I had one other teammate next to me and we were like, I'm like, we're good. We're good. And he's like, okay. And then I look at my watch and like the instantaneous moving pace was slow. And I'm like, oh shit, we're slow. Uh, we got to go. Uh, so we, you just start pushing. And part of the beauty of like a really fast course and not Boston, <laughs> like CIM is like, you can kind of, um, some of the miles, like I blacked out a little bit in terms of, I just, I don't remember them exactly. Cause you're so focused on the moment. Um, and I mean, my wife, I passed her at 17 and I could hear in her voice that she thought I was now having a bad race cause I'd fallen off and I, I didn't have any, you know, oxygen to yell to her. Like I'm still on pace. <laughs> um, but like, I don't think again, with these external goals that so someone posted about my race and they were like, he was on 219 pace until he hit the wall and he ran 21940. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Thank you for the like writing about me. But like, let me tell you what the wall feels like. <laughs> that feels like a pile of bricks coming down. Like I reached and what's, what's kind of fun about 219 is at mile 22 or something, I was like, okay, you're starting to slow. Just go for it. Like, just go for broke. Just like speed up now, even though you have too long to go because it doesn't fucking matter. Like you got to, and knowing you it's like it's about the the effort you put out and yeah. can you be proud of of the effort you put out i um i raced a 5k in february and the 5k is just such a beast of a of an event because you can go balls out the whole time um and i didn't run my i didn't run i, I was hoping to pr um break a, a four-year-old pr and I didn't and I I momentarily was was disappointed and then I thought about like what where was my mind at mile two and a half my mind at mile two and a half was push the fucking gas down and and pass people and I passed like five or six people and I came in second and I was just like it was the coolest feeling to to like be in that much pain and and willingly go after more pain. Like two, mile two and a half in this race is uphill, and it's just like who puts who puts a fucking hill in a five k at mile two and a half. Um, but it was just like you have so much power right now, and and it's it's just the coolest feeling. And I had all these, so I preloaded all these like mantras in my mind, and one was like from a woman who I ran with at college, and she's super tough, and she had just said like just remember like run fast because you can. And I was like, holy shit. Like that, when she texted that to me, like it almost brings me to tears right now because I'm like, it's so true. Like yep. all these splits and all the external factors, you're just like, but I'm really capable right now of right. pushing it really hard. And let's right just now. do that. And I remember looking down at my watch and I'm like, I am now running officially 10 seconds slower than I need to per, per mile. And I was, I, but it felt awesome. Yeah. Probably. I was still flying along yeah. and I'm like, by any other standard of any other marathon I've ever run, um, I'd still be flying. And just because I'm this arbitrary. Yeah. Yeah. So just slipping based on that, you're like, I can still enjoy this next block. It's really, I mean, it gets very painful, but like I, and so then looking back at the fact that I broke, that's the only reason I broke 220 is because I just like had this utmost urgency. I call it like the like Black Friday sale, like the doors <laughs> open, you're just like go 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 go. I have go, a friend go. who who uses the line, "You've come this far, don't fuck it up," and and so like I, that's come to my mind in like time trials and five Ks and things like that. And like you get halfway through and you've done such a good job, like why would you want to 
let it go at that point. And, and it works. It's just like, it's so simple. It's like, I've come this far. I can keep pushing. I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. And so then, then just like, and again, that's where the Elliot Kipchoge, um, model of like returning to like your stride, returning to that fluidity and like, even like trying to find a smile to just like lean into more of it, um, is kind of mind blowing, but it's like very simple and helps you kind of circumvent all of like the negative mind where your mind can go and all the things you can worry about. Um, and like the last three miles of Boston on Monday are going to be horrible. They're just going to, I mean, you're just like, okay, but you're going to smile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. I think that's a perfect uh, place to place to end it. So have, have fun out there on Monday. And when you pass mile 18, do it with a big smile and, uh, and we'll see you out there. Thanks so much, man. Of course. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.